We will continue on our series on the book of Galatians. Pastor Steve last week shared with us about slavery and freedom, the freedom that we have in Christ and those that guys who try, they were trying to lead them back to, to the law. So I want us to stand together for the reading of God's glorious book. Our passage, our text for this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5 verses 2 to 15 and it reads, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the hollow. You are severe from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lamb. I have confidence in the Lord that you will not take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach or circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of God for the people of God and all of God's people say it. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Father, we come to your word. We pray that you would teach us, you would convict us, and you lead us to your truth. And help me, Lord, as I also try to unpack. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you remember last week, Pastor Steve was saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. So the Galatian believers were young Christians. And they were Paul, you remember Paul went there and preached the gospel. They received him. But these new guys, these Judaizers came along and said, but you need to keep these laws. You have to do these things. And they were trying to put them back to slavery. So Paul is very anxious, very disappointed, very angry at these guys. And he is trying to correct these wrong teachings. So he's saying, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept this circumcision, Christ, will be of no advantage to you. He's saying, if 
I testify again to everyone that if you accept circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So Paul is very eager to correct this teaching. He doesn't want these believers to miss out. He wants to help them. He wants to get rid of those who are trying to lead them astray. The, the guys who are trying to enslave them back to the requirements of the law. He's saying you have started with Christ. You have accepted his grace. But now if you accept this circumcision, if you want to go back to the law, if you accept these teachings from these Judaizers who are trying to make you Jews first, who are trying to impose on you the Mosaic laws as a requirement to receive God's grace, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you accept circumcision, if you accept the law to earn God's favor, if you choose that, then you have to keep all the requirements of the law. You are obligated to keep all the requirements of the law. So imagine what it is like to keep the whole requirement of the law. There are over 600 laws in the Old Testament, let alone keeping them. Even remembering these laws is even daunting. We don't know all these laws. And uh, even the smallest violation will make us a lawbreaker. Is there anyone who can claim to keep the whole law? I don't think so. We all break these laws. We all break traffic laws. We all break house laws. I was coming this morning and uh, I was driving and there was a big red light in front of me. And people were passing me by on the left, on the right. And I was standing there. And I was so tempted, you know, I want to drive. <laughs> and, but then I remember that it is Sunday, I'm going to church, I'm preaching. <laughs> then I said, I better keep the law, at least for that day, for today. So it's difficult to keep all these laws. And James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails it one point has become guilty of all. If we keep everything but fails one point, then it is as if like it's never been there. It is like multiplying it by negative. In some sense, it doesn't look fair, right? You've been keeping it every time, being obedient, and all of a sudden, if you fail at one point, it doesn't count. We fail. But we know that the law doesn't save us. We can't even keep all the laws. In Romans, Paul said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have broken God's laws. Even from the beginning, Adam and Eve, then it continued until up to us. We all fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of his standards. So Paul is saying that there is essentially two ways. The way of the law and the way of grace. To come into the right relationship with God. You can't mix these two things if you want to take full advantage of being with Christ. Paul vigorously opposes those guys who are trying who are preaching circumcision 
as a requirement, as a necessity to earn God's favor. We know later Paul, when he wrote to the Philippian believers, and looking back at his own life, at his efforts to earn God's way, to keep the whole counsel of God's law, this is what he, he, he wrote to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4, it says, If anyone thinks, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I am circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the churches, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So the way of the law is the law of work. Keeping the law of circumcision, all these dietary restrictions and laws of the Jews. If you go down on that route, then Christ, you don't need Christ. Christ is no advantage to you. You don't need his help. But the way of Christ is the way of faith. Christ has done it all. Christ is our full advantage. Christ is our righteousness. We rely on him and not on ourselves. So Paul continued to warn the Galatian believers who are trying, who are contemplating going back. He was saying, you are severe from Christ. You would be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor our circumcision for counts anything but only faith working through love. So the idea of being severe from Christ, being cut off from Christ, should, should scare us, should scare everybody. Paul is saying you'll be removed from the grace. You'll be removed from God's cover if you, earn, if you try to earn your way through the law. You have fallen from His grace. The Galatian believers did not reject Jesus, but they want to perfect themselves by keeping the law. They want to make it right. If they accept, if the Galatian believers accept circumcision or works of righteousness as a way to earn God's favor, Paul is saying, you don't need Christ. Christ will be of no advantage to you, no help to you. But you are obligated to keep the whole law. You will be justified by the law, not by Christ. You will be severe from Christ. You will have fallen from His grace. But on the other hand, if you accept Christ, He will be your full advantage. He will be your full benefit. Circumcision or uncircumcision, whatever you've done in your body counts for nothing. Works of the law, they don't count. Works of the flesh they don't count, but Christ counts. He is sufficient for you. We bring nothing. We add nothing 
He has done it all. You are secure in Him. Through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. Our righteousness comes by faith through the Spirit. It, is, it, is, it, is, it comes from Him. It is not our effort. This righteousness is for the present, for now, but it's also for the future. We wait for that glorious righteousness that we will be with Christ, that we will get to enjoy. This hope that we have in Christ is secure. It is certain. It will definitely happen. So how is it secured? How are we freed from the law? It is through the Spirit by faith. And I love what he continues to say. What counts is faith working through love. Faith working through love. You have faith, wonderful, great. Many of us have claimed to have faith. But this faith must have also love. Our faith should produce love because faith leads to action. So why would people not take full advantage of Christ? What he has done for us. Why do we want to, why do we insist on adding something to that which is already perfect? And I think most of us are used to this point-based righteousness. That we want to at least contribute something to our salvation, to our perfection. It is, it is inconceivable to think that we cannot, we just sit down and freely accept this gift. We have to contribute or, or do something. We want to contribute for our salvation. Paul is saying circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't matter. What matters is faith in Jesus Christ. And you have to accept that. So he reminds the Galatian believers, he was saying like, you are running well. It was going well for you. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lamp. I have confidence in the Lord that you will not take other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach persecution, I'm still being persecuted. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. He was so angry at these guys. Those who were trying to lead them astray. These Galatian believers were doing well. Paul was happy. They were running well. They accepted the grace. And when Paul went back, these guys came in and started teaching these false gospels. But it is important not only to start well, but also to finish well. They, they started well. They were on the right track. Paul was excited about the, the progress they have made. But suddenly something happened. It's something, it's suddenly like somebody crossed them off. You know, as when we run, we want to run straight ahead. You know, everybody was cheering in. All of a sudden, when things were going well, somebody cuts us off. And Paul was so amazed. He said in Galatians 1, 6, I'm astonished how quickly that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. How quickly you're trying to debate. And also in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Having begun in the spirit, that now you are being perfected by the flesh. 
So these guys who are demanding circumcision are hindering you from obeying the truth. You're doing fine. You're running well. Who cut you off? Who, who persuaded you to change course? You're running on this course. Who, 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 who persuaded to move you on the other side? They're saying this persuasion is not from the Lord. I know it's not from the Lord. But those who are persuading you, otherwise they will bear the penalty. He was angry. Paul was angry at these guys who are teaching them that they have to be circumcised, they have to obey all the Mosaic law, they have to be Jews first in order to experience the grace that is found in Christ. He's so angry at them. I don't know what would Paul do when he meets these guys. I, was, um, I think I'm happy that he didn't meet them in person. But he was saying he wishes those who unsettled them to emasculate themselves. I'm surprised this, we, have, we found this in our Bible, you know. When we accept circumcision, it's just like, you know, you cut off the top part of the foreskin. But Paul is so angry at these guys. Is I wish they, they cut them off their private parts. You can't imagine how painful <laughs> it is. Uh, Paul is so angry at these guys. It, it, it sounds like he's merciless. You know, it sounds like he's... I can't imagine, you know, it's so difficult to imagine. But that's, that's the extent of his anger at these guys. So circumcision is part of the old covenant, but we have the new covenant in Christ. Paul is saying if you accept circumcision, then the offense of the cross is removed. The cross is not offensive. Why is the cross offensive? Because... The cross closes or rejects all other ways. The way of work, the way of the law. The cross is the only right relationship with God. Because the, the cross shows the seriousness of our sins. And letting less than the perfect sinless sacrifice of his son to atone for it. So whatever we do in our body, whatever we add or not add, whether circumcision or circumcision, if we consider that to make it right with God, it's like we are disgracing God's grace. We are like mocking Him. But Paul is saying, I have confidence in the Lord. I have made a lot of efforts with you guys. I know you are in big trouble, but I have confidence in the Lord. Not on you, that you will not take this view. The view of earning God's favor through their work of the law. That you will not change course. That you will not move from this side to the other side. But that you will stay on the track of faith. My friends, it's so easy to be deceived. You know, changing the track. We are on the track of faith. As we want walk, we want to go back to the old, of, the old way of life that we know it. Christianity is so radical. It is unlike anything that we have experienced before. We were so used to doing things, earning favor. But when we come to God, Christ has done it all. We don't bring anything to your salvation. Whether circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't count. Whatever you do doesn't count for your salvation. Christ has done it all. 
So let's be vigilant, open our eyes to any form of teaching that degrades or that deviates from the gospel, that mixes the gospel, that alters and that changes it. And the danger is we, we don't know it very well. It's not like it's a big, you know, loudspeaker thing. It's a little leaven. Leavens the whole lamp. It's a small mixture that will change everything. What yeast does is it change the mixture and it just puffs it up. So Paul is, is comparing this circumcision teaching to a small yeast, but it will impact the entire dove. So if we insist that circumcision is necessary for the Gentile belief, it's as if it's a little yeast that comes, but it will eventually corrupt the whole teaching of the gospel. So in our lives, in our walks, what do we do? There are small things or big things we don't know. Little compromises here and there that will derail us from the main track completely. So what have we allowed in our lives, in our churches, that grows and then it also takes us off the main track? What are some of the things that we take pride in before God? When we come before God, what do we say, you know, I have done this? What are those things that we bring to God? Sometimes we don't know it. But we bring with, when we come to God, we come with those attitudes. But we come, when we come to Christ, we bring nothing. We come empty-handed. We come naked before Him. So at IEC, we, you know, ask members to commit to a certain things. We encourage people to commit and do certain things. Like we encourage people, read your Bibles every year do your uh, devotions every morning. You know, all those Christian rituals, you know, when you sing, raise your hands. I know we don't raise our hands, but you know, when you sing, do those things. If you are a member of church, you know, give money to your church, um, attend the service regularly, be involved in one ministry. We do all sorts of things as a church. And we have to ask does this align with the gospel? Or do we introduce or bring something else? Does it derail you from the faith that is in Christ? So don't just take everything we said for granted. But go back and examine and check whether it aligns with, that, with what the scripture teaches. Paul finally, he says, <clears throat> You are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. You are called for freedom. But only... Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So you are called to freedom. Freedom is a nice thing. I know some of you who come from the West... You love freedom. Freedom is, I think, the first amendment it is freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. But for us who live in this side of the world, we, I don't think we've experienced that much freedom. We have been living under a lot of laws. But we are called to freedom in Christ. But freedom is not an opportunity to do everything we want. Freedom is never a license to do what we please. But it is the right thing to do. 
It is the power to do as we should. And that's what Paul said, the verse I read to you earlier, for freedom, Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So all the freedom that we have comes with responsibility. It is not to indulge in our flesh and sinful behavior, but the freedom that we have is to serve one another. The problem with freedom is that if we are not disciplined, we will run wild. Imagine for yourself, when you have free time, when you have free space, when you have free money, extra money, what do you do? The desire to indulge in our flesh increases. We want to do something. We want to buy that thing. We want to buy that dress. We want to buy that car. We want to get these things. But freedom comes with a responsibility. What do we do with those things? Let's not confuse the freedom that we have. It's not just to do as we wish or desire, but it's the freedom to do as we should, and that is to love one another. It is the freedom to pursue Christ. It is the freedom to love him and be with him. And that is the requirement of the law. Because it is summed up in one where it says, For you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the purpose of the law is to love. This one word. And Jesus gave them this command. He said in John 14, in John 13, 34. It's a, it's a beautiful reminder of our discipleship. He said, A new command I give you, that you love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple, if you have love for one another. So a church of this size, it is difficult to love one another. Let, let alone, alone love one another. It's difficult even to know one another. I'm sitting here, I can imagine, I know who sits on this side, I know who sits on that side. I don't even know most of your names. It is sad as a pastor, I should, I should know, but you're telling me, you know, my mind, I try to register, but <laughs> it falls off. So even for you guys, how do we love one another in the church of this side? How do we get to know one another? We encourage people, you know, stand up, get to know one another, greet one another, get their names, and, you know, try to remember something about them. You know, it's, it needs to start somewhere. That's how we have an opportunity for you to have coffee and tea and maybe engage in some of the classes that we have. But what happens inside the church? As soon as I say the word, you are blessed, you can leave, what do you do? You rush to your cars, you rush to your taxi, you rush to your rides. You just, you want to get quickly out of this place. But let's take moments to stay behind and pose and greet somebody, recognize somebody, appreciate somebody. It's not like we come to the church to receive and feed ourselves. We all are ministers of the new covenant. We all depend and rely on each other, on, on each other's gifts. So let's minister, let's use those gifts to minister to one another. You don't know, but just saying hi. You don't know what that will mean to the other person. Greeting somebody, maybe praying for them, maybe chatting for them, maybe listening to them will mean a lot. So let's start doing something.
But the opposite of loving and being in a loving fellowship is biting and devouring one another. So Paul is saying like if, if there is no love among you, you are biting and devouring and then you will destroy yourselves. So this, this biting and devouring is what animals do. Animals bite and devour each other. We are supposed to love one another. So I have a quote here from Morris and it says, the loveless life is a life lived on the level of animals. It's animals. I think maybe animals also love. But they're saying animals, they don't love because they only are concerned for themselves and no matter what the cost of the other. So don't bite. Don't devour one another. You know, the instruments that we use to bite and devour each other is our tongues. We bite them. We devour them with our tongue. So let's use our tongue to build each other up, to, to show appreciation and love and encouragement to others. So the way of the cross is the way of love. Christ, by his, done, by his days on the cross, has paid it all. He has given us full advantage by his grace so that through faith we come to him. We don't bring anything to earn his righteousness. No activity, no physical or external things that we bring to Christ. We come to him naked. He has done it all. We are free, but we are freed to love one another, to experience that love we have in Christ. So I don't know where some of you stand this morning today. I don't know on which side of the camp that you are this morning if you have not experienced the love of God through Christ. It is my prayer encouragement that you get to experience this love, this offer that is on the table because of what Christ has done for us. Come to him, accept him, accept this free gift. But those of us who are trying to juggle in between, let us submit to him. For Christ has set us free to do his will, to love one another and not to go back into slavery. So it is my prayer as we reflect, as we think about these things, let's be thankful of the things that Christ has done for us. He has given us full advantage to love and serve one another. Let us pray. So our Father... <clears throat> We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who has done it all for us. He is the fulfillment of all the requirements of the law. He is the sinless, perfect sacrifice that has paid the penalty for our sin, Lord. And we bring nothing. We don't offer anything, Lord. We just accept your gift. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us in the weeks ahead as we reflect and think, Lord, that you would guide us into your truth and that you will weed out all the things that we bring before you, Lord, that undermines the grace that we have in Christ. May we grow in our love for you, in our love for another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.